Hello and welcome to the Unofficial Controller Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast. Episode 24, The History of the FPS. With me, George, and as always joined by George. One man band to my one man band. Obviously the intro's revealed to you, keen listeners, that Tom won't be with us this week. As I said last week, he gets more time off this podcast than Andy McNabb's safety catch. And he's the only one drawing a wage, so... It does really all feel like we're basking in his limelight. Listen, that's enough of that. Let's welcome him back next week with open arms. In the meantime, you want to probably stick around because coming up in the news, we've got some Pokemon reveal news for the new upcoming Pokemon game on the Switch. Uh, We've also got the feature, which this week is going to be the history of the first-person shooter game, or FPS to those in the know. Then, from there, we're going to have a look at the listeners' pickups this week. So all those kind, loyal people out there in the wild that have picked up something pretty epic and they've slapped hashtag Stingray's boot on the back of that so we can see it and read it out. Then the big man arrives, the real deal, the real Stingray, tears up the drive, opens his boot and shows us this week's latest releases for the multi-format systems out there and then i think we limp quite weakly into the section where i'd normally ask tom what he's hoping to play uh this week i'll ask myself and once again at the beginning of the show i'll ask myself what you've been playing um well this week listeners a little bit more uh due to being out on the road a little bit this week there's been some um warriors on the vita the psp one still enjoying that I've had some time to uh, explore in a co-op playthrough, um, maybe the first couple of hours of Man of Medan. Very happy with what I'm seeing there, but we were fans anyway, uh, being Until Dawn fanboys and girls. I'm trying to think what else I've been playing. I think there was some bizarre... Oh, yes, a little more Turtles on the PS3. Uh, and that's basically what I've been playing. Nothing new uh, due to not really being back at the bunker until the time of recording this, other than the aforementioned Man of Medan. Well, you've stuck around. you found out what I was playing this week. Uh, and now, the news. As always, we've scoured the very darkest regions of the internet to bring you the latest stories. First up, got a bit of ninty news. Oh, Tom will be jumping back through hoops. Unfortunately, I'm dressed in the rather crotch-stained Mario onesie to bring you this. Pokemon. As promised, the Pokemon company has revealed the identity of the glitched monster, which was teased on its official website. The Pokemon in question is Surfetched. Described as the wild duck Pokemon, Surfetched is the evolved form of Farfetched. Here's his main stats. Surfetched. His category is wild duck Pokemon. His type is fighting. He's uh, got the same height as the village's own Wayne Ray at uh, 2 foot 7 inches. He weighs slightly more than young Wayne, though. He's 257 pounds, which packed into a 2 foot 7 inch frame. He is a very round chap, isn't he? And his ability, for anyone that knows what this means, is steadfast. He sounds like a very stoic build character. Uh, Pun intended. Next... Next bit of news, listener. Uh, Xbox shifting up a gear. Listeners, the inevitable has happened and Gears 5 is confirmed as the Xbox's biggest success. 
this console generation. Xbox confirmed on their page this week by saying Gears had attracted over 3 million players in its opening weekend, setting new records for Xbox Game Pass with the biggest launch week of any Xbox Game Studio title this generation. The performance easily doubled the first week's debut of Gears of War 4 and made Gears 5 the most played Xbox Game Studio title in the first week since 2012's Halo 4. First week performance includes the four-day early access period beginning Friday, September the 6th, which was exclusive to Gears 5, Ultimate Edition and Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members. On the PC, Gears 5 has nearly tripled the performance of its predecessor, becoming the biggest ever launch for Xbox Game Pass for PC. And Xbox Game Studios' best ever debut on Steam. On Tuesday, Gears 5 expanded into worldwide general availability with the launch of Gears 5 Standard Edition at retail, as well as a new Xbox One and Xbox One S console bundles. Uh, for PC fans, Gears 5 is included in the three-month Xbox Game Pass for PC membership bundled with the purchase of select AMD Ryzen processors and AMD Radeon graphics cards. Hit with the critics... And users alike, currently garnering a score of 8.7 on Metacritic. Uh, and at that regard, it makes it the sixth best uh, of any Xbox game. But regardless of that, it is performing well out there in the wild. And fair play to Microsoft, I would say. It's about time. Uh, they were in receipt of some good news and some very solid numbers there. Next up, last bit of news. Listener, prepare yourself. Who's going to be my wingman? Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. Lord Ponsonbury, his thumb went down. He didn't like the sing, so I'm going to jump straight in. All you need to know about to get in on the new Microsoft Flight Simulator beta that's apparently making its rounds out there. All you need to join the Insider program is a Microsoft account, and then you can sign up. Uh, as well as an alpha and eventually beta registration, insiders get early glimpses of the game through exclusive videos and screenshots, along with access to the roadmap and additional game details. Insiders who sign up for the technical alpha aren't guaranteed a spot, unfortunately, as Microsoft will be picking pilots based on the survey and the DX Diag that you have to send. If you don't get picked this round, however, you might still get a chance to play when Microsoft adds more players or hosts or other alphas and betas. If you're a streamer or want to show off Microsoft Flight Simulator to your friends, be aware that everyone needs to sign an NDA that prohibits sharing details, photos, videos, or audio recordings of the game. Once Microsoft releases information, you can then share it so just be careful there listeners we've had xbox legal on the phone and it was not a pleasant experience i do not want any of the listeners to go through that so the question at the end of all that did we miss anything do you have an opinion or take on the news we missed if so you want to have your chance to have your question read out live email us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com or dm us on instagram or twitter some good news there, um, as far as I'm concerned, because that flight simulator game has got me very, very excited. Um, listeners, I guess that's probably the earliest kickoff to a feature we've ever had. This thing seems to rumble on a lot quicker without Tom chiming in, telling me how great Overwatch is. Unfortunately, although he's not here, 
My Overwatch is mentioned in the script by some law listeners and by default myself. Anyway, here we are, listeners. We've arrived. The feature, the history of the FBS feature, because you know and I know we like to make a mouthful of that. This week's feature is a discussion about the history of the first-person shooter genre. As always, you guys got in touch to share those shooty bang-bang... Well, that was my rape alarm, and Tom's nowhere near me, so goodness knows what that was creeping up my leg. Um, To add a real personal touch to this story. Before I start, uh, I must say that so many icons in gaming are FPS games, and some of the games here... You may think, we've glossed over that quite quickly. But, well, that's not to say I don't find them significant, uh, but this is a very in-depth subject, and each game I mention could, and maybe will, get a feature all of its own. Before I jump in any further, at the start of the show, I was meant to do some housekeeping. So this is Lord Ponsonbury's currently last week in the chair, although based on my current performance, it's looking like he's going to be here next week. So, don't forget, listeners, share the show everywhere, treat the name like a a lady of the night, and pass it round all your friends. Um, Make sure you've subscribed, you've liked, you've left a review, a particularly awesome review we've got. We've had some wonderful reviews, but uh, one lately you will know appeals to me and our sense of humour here on the show. It's rough around the edges, but well worth listening to. To be honest, uh, if you guys want to go see this review, uh, head over to iTunes and have a look, read the reviews at the bottom of it. Uh, Feel free to add a review and some five stars yourself while you're there. But yeah, very comedic and oh, very factual as well. So maybe it wasn't even intended to be funny. Either which way, uh, I believe the, the post was Mystery Man. We appreciate it. That's now the new back of the Blu-ray box when we get the eventual release of this show to a physical media. Anyway, I get distracted. You don't want to hear a man begging other men to follow him and like him on social media. Maybe you do, because that's what I need you to do. And make sure your friends do it, and their friends, and their friends, and their friends, and all of a sudden, all of the world's problems are solved. Anyway, where did we get to? Oh, the disclaimer. Yes, we may gloss over some games. We may go deep into games that you're thinking, why are you telling me so deeply about this? We thought it was an interesting story. Me and James, we've worked hard. We've worked hard on this script. So let's begin. As always, we as we always do by going to the real start point for the FPS. Wolfenstein. Yeah, I bet you're thinking Wolfenstein, but no. The first-person shooter DNA goes way deeper than that. But where? Well, you're not going to believe this, because I almost didn't either. But in 1973, that's right, listeners, all the way back, a game called Maze, cobbled together by high school students Greg Thompson, Steve Coley, and Howard Palmer during a NASA work study program using the IMLAC PDS1 and PDS4 mini computers. The three had initially been carrying out research into computational fluid dynamics for future spacecraft designs. But, as all high school students do, they got distracted, and thank goodness they did. Uh, initially, they had a single plane, a 16 by 32 tile, wireframe environment for one player in which you'd turn by 90 degree increments. Uh, Maze then grew to include shooting, support for second player via serial cable, a corner cover popping mechanic, 
mechanic and indicators for which the other player is facing. Um, <laughs> after completing his spell at NASA, Thompson took the game with him to the Massachusetts Institute. I'll start that again. I was always going to stumble over that. The Massachusetts Institute of Technology, aka, and thankfully going forward, we'll refer to that as MIT. With access to a more powerful computer and the aid of David Liebling, who would go on to create the legendary text adventure Zork, he added eight-player support. Uh, and now, now this is something that I had to reread when I was researching and then read it again, triple read it. These guys managed to use the US Defense Department's Appanet to support, support eight-player games. And that Honestly, that sounds like something straight out of war games. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, in there, there was a map editor, projectile graphics, scoreboard, spectator mode, bots with dynamic difficulty. And these listeners are features that I've only really fully resurfaced in shooters today, many, many years on. Maze War was so very popular on campus it, and used up so much of the MIT's computer resources that they had to create a program that would find and shut down Maze War sessions. Now, I find that initial sort of insight into the real first ever witness of a, what we would now call the first-person shooter genre, to hail it all the way back to 1973, to hail it all the way back to some, some wide-eyed kid on a NASA study program, is absolutely awesome. Then to take it to the MIT and end up it being so popular that they have to shut servers down. I, I think that's incredible. Um, nice bit of research, James. Next, we arrive at the cockpit era of the 80s, where wireframes are in. Uh, and it's not just due to technical restraints, but it fits the era, and in itself is a really great aesthetic. Before we go any further into this discussion, it's important to point out that there were dungeon crawlers around this sort of time that started to exhibit maps you could walk around in uh, with, but with added fantasy elements. And, and for us, really drifted out the boundaries of the topic at hand. But again, you know, we acknowledge that these, these other formats were being used. Now back to the wireframe era. This era is best summed up by the once mighty Atari and its arcade game, Battlezone. A tank sim using the wireframe style utilizing a periscope-style viewpoint. It's worth noting here that the U.S. military tried to utilize this tech for its own simulation needs, but unfortunately couldn't quite get it right. Now, it's here that it's probably right and proper that we wheel in our first guest, and uh, bouncing down the corridors this week is Happy Happy Joysticks. Straight out the bat, he starts off with this. My favourite genre. I remember my first FPS was Wolfenstein 3D. I was hooked instantly. Then came Doom. And my brother and I saved up our money so we could buy a graphics card so we could play Quake. But the one game that I remembered having the most fun with was Duke Nukem 3D. The game started to show people what could be done within an FPS. For the first time, you can interact with the levels like never before. You could see yourself in the mirror, pay strippers to flash you, Move the balls on the pool table, etc. The list could go on. It made the world feel more alive and it started to give you a sense of what was about to come. Too bad the company pooed the bed with Duke Nukem Forever or a Ruffle Emoticon. 
Uh, okay, that's a good submission from you there, Happy Joysticks. Probably a man of a similar age to me if Wolfenstein was your first FPS. Uh, that's great. So after the 80s, things stagnated a little bit, but uh, we come round to the 90s and things really started kicking off again in the FPS story. Wolfenstein 3D. John Carmack, legendary developer, wishing to have the game be played at speed. This was important to John, having seen other games in the RPG world, as we discussed earlier, using similar techniques, but at a snail's pace. But Wolfenstein packed many firsts and was my first foray into FPS games, as I'm sure many listeners, as I've just said, of a certain age, are nodding wildly in agreement. They're either running, they're walking the dog, they're in the car, but neither which way, they just nodded. Uh, and probably now would be the time to insert my uh, gaming memory. Now, we were, this was a school thing, seemingly all my first Game, gaming first seemed to take place at school, but in the school, the secondary school I went to, there was uh, obviously a library, and tacked onto the library was um, a room that was meant to be used for um, careers advice and research. Now, to aid that research, they had a PC. Well, you know what me and a couple of friends did, don't you? Yeah, we brought in Wolfenstein, and I was blown away. I'd never seen anything like it. The camera bobbing as you walk, your blood actual Nazis in the game to hunt down. You stumble across secret areas. I mean, when this first came out, we were just agog at this game. You know, what even was this? It felt like more than the sum of its parts. Uh, And Wolfenstein, much like the next game, was a hit and saw ports all over the place, even as late as the Game Boy Advance, proving the frenetic id formula was and is a hit. Next, we arrive at the big boy, the difficult second album for id Software, but guess what? Well, you know this part. Doom was a hit critically and commercially. Doom was the story of one Marine's descent into hell. It may look dated now, but to a wet-behind-the-ears schoolboy, and I'm sure many others out there, this was scary as all damn hell. Once citing story in a game like Plot in a special movie from Stingray's uh, personal collection... Uh, under the front seat, John Car- uh, Carmack found himself at odds with its creative director, Tom Hall, who wanted to seed the game with Law. Fortunately, Hall resigned in 1993 and the team worked to strip back those sections and give bare bones, give us the bare bones doom we have to this day. Um, and, and that's an aside. When, uh, before Tom had left id, uh, they were in doom. We obviously all remember the key cards that we use to move across levels and open up areas. Now, before the game got stripped back, these key cards are all manner of different things, according to the law that Tom had written. So did we get a, be- did we get a better game in the end? Maybe. I don't know. I'd like to see what this law was. But uh, as I've said, it probably wasn't necessary. Because in this instance, I would agree, Doom didn't need this. It's environmental and compelling soundtrack. And for the time, op- eye-popping visuals, we didn't need a plot. We were living it. Now it's time to hear from... Um, I've checked. and I've had James run the Excel spreadsheet forward and backward and up the yin-yang, back forward and round again. Uh, King Lizard, if I'm wrong, I apologise. Welcome back to the show. If I'm right, welcome to the family, sir. Good to have you in the feature. 
And he says, I come from a time where the first generation of what we can relate to as FPS titles included Wolfenstein 3D, Doom, Doom 2, Doom Nukem and Quake. Nothing before these games was anywhere as near as good as these titles or as close to what we these days we can relate to as an FPS. Although Wolfenstein was first to market, it was Doom that stood out agree, and became the benchmark for FPS games. The likes of Duke Nukem Quake were known as Doom clones. Over the years, there were many titles that instantly stand out for me. Unreal Tournament 4 on the PC, Medal of Honor Frontlines on the PS2, Black on PS2, it's a good call, good game, which further helped define the series with an epic campaign. The original Far Cry and Half-Life, later to be blown away by Half-Life 2 on PC, were keystones in the progression of the modern-day FPS. Modern Warfare 2, for me, was the best example of the FPS in recent years, both from a campaign and a multiplayer perspective, although there have been many worthy releases since this time. Unfortunately, the developer focus these days is less on single-player campaigns with rich stories, boss fights, and well-balanced shooting action. little sad teary emoticon there. Uh, Mr. Lizard, but I'm sorry, Sir King Lizard. I bowed and walked backwards. Do you believe? Yes, you're the king of all lizards. Uh, The developer focus these days is multiplayer FPS shooters and selling players' cosmetics, which is a real shame. Hear, hear, King Lizard. Let's not let this be the first time you've contributed. Um, And hopefully next time Tom can do your words fine justice. While we're here, Davy Bones. Loyal Lister, been working with him uh, rather unsuccessfully to try and find him some power resis. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't found those. He's found me a copy of MLB, so I don't know what he wants me to search for in place, but I'm sure he'll let me know. And Davy Bones says, I was never a fan of them, mainly because I suck at them. And he laughs at that, so he finds humour in his own uh, game failings here. I wish I could find humour in mine. Uh, Doom was enjoyable, and a couch co-op Golden Knight was a staple. A first-person game I recently enjoyed was Resident Evil 7. The aforementioned there, David Bone's big fan of the Resi series. And from here, a multitude of Doom clones piled in. PC and console players lapped them up, with exhumed to the Star Wars themed, and actually, in my opinion, and I'm the only person here this week, uh, good Dark Forces and every possible combination in between. It's unfortunate that Dark Forces, a game that I actually think was pretty good, must have been stripped from the canon now, because um, Disney released the film Rogue One, which kind of like poo-poos everything that happens in Dark Forces. Not to worry, it was a footnote in the history of games anyway. Well, that's done. But then what happens? In walks every young man's hero, Duke Nukem. This game shouldn't have worked. Should have been terrible, but its locales and interactivity changed how we look at FBF games to this day. Duke Nukem had it all. CD strip bars of dancers, interactive arcades, Duke quips, shrinking guns, jetpacks, and the ability to use a urinal. While technically it's okay, it's the flourishes that elevated Duke Nukem in the eyes of gamers worldwide. Anyone below the age of 16 is going to play that game, even to this day probably, and think, wow, Duke Nukem's an absolute legend. This is hardcore as all goddamn hell. Uh, A notable nod to the Mac community before we go any further and its dedication to Bungie. Um, I think we'll hear that name again in this story. And its well-received marathon, a sci-fi tale set on a hijacked colony ship. And again, before we get back on track, 
and and to be honest, listeners, I was going to write something about Goldeneye, but I seemingly don't need to because the bulk of your entries have been about the iconic icon of the N64. So instead of a fluff piece, uh, well, might as well let me read out your listeners' memories. First in, Daddy Zilla. Daddy Zilla, how are you, friend? I hope you're well. And, and love from me and mine to all of you and yours. The four Zilla foursome down there over the pond, our American cousins. Uh, he says the first one I ever played is either Doom or Goldeneye. Getting too old to remember exactly, lol. Uh, I love Goldeneye. A group of us would just get together and play all day. It's very hard not to look at other players' areas to try and figure out where they were. You are too honest, Daddy Zilla. You're a very good man. We were all doing it. We all denied it. You didn't. Top man. I really dug Unreal Tournament as well. The newest FPS I've played would have to be Star Wars Battlefront. To be honest, I suck at FPS. I do pretty much decent in offline campaigns, but when it comes to online, pretty much get obliterated. To be honest, if you're 20 or over, I think that's the time when you've peaked at FPSs. They do bring back some fond memories, though. Uh, next in, sneaking in behind Daddy Zilla, we've got Bite My Pixel. The standout FPS, as I said to you, has to be Goldeneye. No, uh, four or more people sitting in the same room using the split screen. The only rule, the only rule. No odd job. Uh, comic Pictures, a.k.a. Adam the Artist, a.k.a. forward slash Comic Pictures, no space, on Etsy. think I've done that right. Um, so what does Adam the Artist have to say? And let's see if my catchphrase for Adam the Artist, I can agree with some of that, not all of that, rings true this week. One of the things I got a bit of stick for is using inverted Y-axis on the look controls. I'm old enough to remember when FPS controls had to be adapted from flight controls so people knew how to play and control the camera. They all had inverted wires standard, absolutely they did, and I've used it ever since. Snap. In fact, I get really confused when I'm switching forwards and backwards with that blooming inversion. I can't use normal controls or I just run around looking at the sky. You've pretty much described my whole Call of Duty Online experience, me running around looking at the sky, spinning around looking at the sky, jumping around looking at the sky, lots of looking at the sky. Anyway, I digress. That was my inability, not Adam's. I guess that a lot of flight games and particularly space games with cockpit views are kind of loose versions of FPS as well. It's a bold claim and uh, one I hadn't really considered until this point, uh, to which point we'll probably best lift up the rug and sweep it underneath and pop it back down. In which case, I'd like to point out that Colony Wars was amazing. Uh, and, and listeners, there was so much interactivity on the on the post this week, which was heart-melting, heart-melting. I did even see that Daddy Zero was tearing up himself at the amount of people that were talking and wishing each other well and bringing up FPS memories. And then as conversation, good conversation does and should segue off into conversations about completely other stuff as well. Gaming related, obviously. Uh, but, it, you know, it was a real wonderful track of uh, conversations to flow through. For that reason, though, it did make it quite hard for me and uh, the work experience boy, James, to pull out your submissions. We know it's not perfect. We've got to work on that. We might need to find somewhere where you guys can go and put that. Maybe even, do you guys want a forum for the uh, Unglorious Bar Stewards? That's something I'm floating out there. I'm probably doing a Tom. I'm probably spending money 
we haven't got. Lord Ponsleroy is looking a little nervous. Um, he's he's nearly almost out of Bitcoin. Um, don't know what's going to happen when that happens. So please jump on one of the posts, send us a DM, send us an email if you want to see like a, a Reddit page where you can all get together and hang out and talk things unofficial controller or whether you just want it to stay the same, stay on Instagram or whatever, you let us know. Either which way, um, we're very paranoid about missing people's submissions, especially now we've got prizes linked to them. Uh, and on that note, uh, I probably said it at the top of the show, but I'll say it now. Um, we're going to hold off awarding the prize this week, only because Tom isn't here. It's a lot of pressure for me to pick that all on my own. Uh, and I think it kind of means a bit more when we've both sat and gone through it properly and scratched our heads and thought about the submission and then, you know, awarded, quite rightfully so, to the best submission of the month. So where do we get to? So comment pitches, can I agree with all of that? Mm, yeah. Yeah. All of it. Even the bit I swept under the rug. Anyway, Retro Gamer Thomas. Here he is. Everyone's favourite cannibal. Uh, console cannibal. Oddly, I've never played FPS games and still don't today. Actually, give me motion sickness. Mmm. You could do a munching on some gyroscopic stabilization, my friend. It's a shame because I've always fancied getting into the online scene like Tom and Overwatch. I've tried a couple of times, but to no avail. If I did have to say one game from my collection, it would be Goldeneye. I don't last long on it, but I can see why it's so legendary and so addictive. Sorry, George, for mentioning Overwatch. Uh, you don't seem sorry, because that looks to me like a laughing till I cry emoji. Um, yes, Retro Gamer Thomas, you are a console cannibal, so you probably have got a rather sick streak running through you. Um, I'm going to let that slide, because we're talking about FPSs, and it's probably only right and proper that it gets a little mention. Uh, so where now? Next stop on the Whistle Stop Tour of the FPS is the Quake Era. This marked a shift to true 3D environments and enemies. John Romero had intended Quake to be a hybrid of Sega's AM2 arcade title Virtua Fighter and a Western role-playing fantasy. Conceived back... This is absolutely bonkers. Conceived back in 1991 and named for a Dungeons & Dragons character, the game would have alternated between first-person exploration and third-person side-on brawling. Romero envisioned circling dragons hammer massive enough to send shockwaves through the earth and events that trigger when players look in their direction, such as glowing eyes appearing in a cave mouth. By the time John Car uh, Carmack neared completion of an ambitious 3D engine in 1995, however, other id software employees were exhausted and reluctant to depart too drastically from the Doom formula. There was also tension between the two founders over Romero's supposedly inconsistent work ethic and Carmack's view that the studio's engine technology took precedence over its games. Romero ultimately resigned himself to, re to a reimagining of Doom in Polygonal 3D and resigned from its software itself after finishing the game. He knew he was beat. Quake was transformative. It introduced a thrilling element of verticality with players dashing through the air above opponents rather than simply strafing or corner camping. This quality proved an asset in the emerging field of online multiplayer by the late 90s. Ethernet connections and modems had become ubiquitous, ubiquitous and internet usage was rocketing. Quake's multiplayer was initially designed for high bandwidth, low latency, local networks. 
It would check with the server before showing players the result of an action, which led to jerky performance online, which uh, when there was a building build-up of server requests. Id swiftly released an update titled Quake World, titled... Live in waking fear, listener, of the word title popping up in the script. I'm guilty of putting it in there myself, but I know that the word doesn't really trip off a Lincolnshire man's tongue that well, and it grates probably like nails on a chalkboard. Uh, there you go. So anyway, we're going to put ourselves through it one more time. Titled Quake World, which added client-side prediction. The result can be held up as the original eSports shooter. Software company Intergraph sponsored a US-wide tournament called Red Annihilation in May 1997, which had attracted around 2,000 participants. Next up, as far as stop-off points go, probably ought to have a little quick nod to Medal of Honor series on the original PlayStation. This game also set the trajectory for the modern shooter as we know it. It focuses on reality and its development team uh, ultimately going on to create the Call of Duty franchise. Launched in 1999 to great sales numbers, the game was a watershed moment in several aspects. On one hand, it's a more earnest, grounded approach. Opened the uh, genre up to players who might have been put off by basically sci-fi and crazy settings of games like Doom and Wolfenstein. On the other hand, it turned real events into visceral games to be enjoyed. Now, is that good? Is that bad? I'm not here to make such political decisions. That's your choice. Uh, either way, the direction was set and the battlefield for a while would be based on World War II and other World War hotspots or war hotspots around the world and through history. Unreal really is the next big step. A game that in itself was a genre-defying defying FPS with a great in law community, but its real benefit to the industry was the development of its Unreal Engine and its subsequent use in most games you've played over the last 20 years. Next, the Immortal Half-Life and its subsequent sequel. These games defined how story-based narrative could work in an FPS game, uh, and they brought real-world buy into the story of Gordon Freeman as it progressed across these two wonderful games, the second being also very well received with its implementation of physics. Valve will also always be remembered for contributing to the online shooting fraternity with its Counter-Strike game, released in 1999, still played, loved and shouted over, CS as it's known to its hardcore community, even to this day, is respected and played. Uh, where now? Well, might as well head to Microsoft, because their marquee character to this day stood up. Master Chief as an iconic game character as there has or maybe ever will be. Humanity pushed to the limit. You take on the role of a Spartan in humanity's struggle against the Covenant. Framed on the huge ancient Halo structures. This game used the original Xbox and its built-in hard drive to deliver to a console an open-world FPS experience like no other. And this game, along with its co-op functionality and multiplayer, uh, Halo 1 and its sequels dominated the Xbox success story and will even be used to launch the X next Xbox out of the gates in a dominant position, and quite rightly so. Um, so, here he is. Now, listeners, while I'm at this point, and I, I must remember all the unglorious bar stewards that uh, went above and beyond the Call of Duty last week and harangued internet gaming celebrities across the world. Consistent abuse. Uh, I mean, 
suggestions to retweet about the unofficial controller. Uh, and I've tried to put up every single one on the story that I've seen or been made aware of. Can't always be 100% uh, looking for these things because there's a lot going on in the unofficial controller world. But we try. We do try. Uh, Adam, the artist, has, has made significant efforts. Uh, Doogie McBain. Uh, and it's now and right and proper that we should hear from Doogie McBain. As mentioned a few months ago, carrying the whole, oh yes, I remember this story, carrying the three-ton Xbox to school, Halo was probably the fondest memories for me. GoldenEye is also up there, but Halo pretty much perfected the controls of FPS on a console. Another fond memory was in computing class. The teacher seemed disinterested in teaching us, so would often leave the room and come back just in time for the bell. Uh, so a load of us decided to bring in Quake 3, install it on half a dozen of the computers and had 45 minutes of pure deathmatch goodness. Safe to say I failed computing. Uh, I don't know why, Doogie. You obviously know how to do uh, something that most people didn't know how to do at the time, which was install a game and set up a network. So uh, fair play to you. You qualified in my eyes. Uh, it's here. Um, so we'll leave Doogie there. It's here we talk about Far Cry, stepped in on the PC, and then transferring to consoles, offering an all-in open-world experience with big blue skies and luscious visuals. Thus was a kickback against dark corridors, forced narrative, set pieces, and gave players the tools to enjoy it their way. Uh, well, I suppose re-enter stage left, Call of Duty era. Um, Call of Duty 2, a wise sign on Microsoft part to have a great FPS at launch on their 360 console while they beavered away on their own Halo. Call of Duty's success, though, took gaming down a very predictable route with other software houses looking to cash in on the action with the likes of EA trying to replicate the runaway success of the Call of Duty franchise. The era was um, full, filled by great games, realistic in their look, but uh, very addictive gameplay loop, but its restricted colour palette seemingly bathing the whole era in a brown, uh, just mess palette, really. And bar the odd Far Cry, though even went brown for its sequel, Far Cry 2, a game I have a real soft spot for, nonetheless. It's really, I suppose, quite dark and uh, very realistic and gritty compared to the other Far Cry games, but it's particularly my favourite. But it's at this point that we look back uh, and... You know, Medal of Honor, Call of Duty, Battlefront, they all went down that sort of uber-realistic or you know, there's nothing quite as realistic as getting a bullet in the gut, I can guarantee you that. Uh, but seemingly as realistic as um, they can manage. Um, I get distracted, but... Uh, as far as innovation goes, we would then have to wait for a game like Bioshock uh, to really bring all of these uh, innovations together over the decades of development and boil them down into the narrative in the first-person view, intense gunplay, great special powers that allow for physics and environmental manipulation. Bioshock was and is a great game, subsequent sequels refining and expanding on the original's premise and scope. Set in a dystopian underwater paradise gone wrong, you attempt to piece together your arrival via plane crash and investigate the disparate groups of survivors fighting for the last res uh, resources of this once beautiful but now decaying world. A brave and deep narrative for an FPS, but one that shows that the genre's really come of age. Also showing developers that a well-created and fleshed-out FPS world can be truly compelling and consuming. Great example, 
was Resi 7 switch to the FPS style. So where are we now? Well, I guess just about the modern era. The FPS games... Have I even said that? In any of the times I've said the words, or the letters FPS, have I said them correctly? Doubtful. FPS game... <laughs> One more time. Hang on in there, listener. FPS games remain super popular to this day and could be argued to be the most successful and popular game ever. These days, their popularity has led to conversations around loot boxes and pay-to-win tactics to extract even more money from the browbeaten and overwhelmed-with-choice gamer. We've also had the MMO styles such as Destiny, a great world packed with great gameplay ideas and using Bungie's great legacy in the FPS genre to give us a great moments interspersed with really grindy sections. But the world, the weapons and the team play make it pretty good in our eyes. Okay, last but not least, his influence still in show. Here we, here we have Overwatch. Blizzard's arena shooter Overwatch released in 2016. Overwatch a game where Blizzard have taken the shooter and expanded upon it, calling together teams and building teamwork straight into its core gameplay. Playing into the modern need to stream games or compete in them, Overwatch signals here the direction for the next 10 years. It's not a game anymore, it's an eSport. It's a living at playing games. But for years, us game connoisseurs always knew that FBF games have become so much more than the sum of their parts. Yeah, you break it down and it's you with a gun shooting bad guys, but it's deeper than that. The view itself, the view we all see, all of the name, first person. Developers have matured along with this genre, and we've discussed as we've discussed, and it allows for the most intimate of gaming experience, one that ties you so well that only VR can eclipse it. You can call these shooty gun games, but listeners, as we've shown, they're so much more to us than that. Now... That brings us to the end of uh, our feature. And those that listened at the beginning of the show and those that know the format of the show intimately know, like a bell rung at Pavel's own dog, their mouths are slobbering. It's time for listener's stingray. When the big man makes a house call, you'd better be ready. These guys got in touch to show us their pickups from Stingray's Boot. You can too. Just hashtag Stingray's Boot on Instagram or Twitter or email us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com. Uh, obviously, if you're too young to have social media, like some of you listeners are, please ask your guardian, parent, whoever it is, bigger boy, bigger girl in the house, to email us or use their Instagram or Twitter to share your wonderful pickups with us. As always, listeners... I'll do this live on air as we do it. Uh, let's have a quick look here now. So we're going to take ourselves off to uh, Instagram. And you can do this with me, listener. If you click on the little magnifying glass at the bottom, type in the search bar, hashtag Stingray's Boot. That's the one. Last time I clicked on the wrong one and got someone, lots of people in cowboy boots, and as I said, it's very hard to unsee. What have we got here? So, we've clicked on recent, we've gone in Stingray's boot. First person in there, 18 minutes ago, Danish 80s guy. Loyal listener of the show. He's got a Commodore bag. What's inside it? It's not body parts, but if Retro Gamer Thomas was about, he would be slabbering at the chops over this one. It's a bit of retro uh, Commodore 64 action. Uh, there's a 
zip stick joystick there. It's uh, a nice hors d'oeuvre for uh, retro gamer Thomas. There's a disc drive, two cassette drives. A smattering of games, smattering of discs. Do you remember that disc manufacturer called Bull with the acorn tree as its logo? Now, I think they sponsored Williams Renault in 1992. Little factoid for the listener out there. Chris McClum just swerved off the road. Like, I can't believe he remembered that. Me neither, Chris. Otaku Bram. Um, what have you got here? Oh, nice little Mega Drive grab from the weekend. Good work, friend. Spider-Man. Super Thunderblade. Gunship. Some nice pickups. I don't think I've ever played Gunship on the Mega Drive before. It's uh, an honest confession from me. Ghosts and Goblins collection. How am I going to do this on my own? Um, uh, let's let's try this. Sharaban. 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 That's probably the best I can do to summon the man from the ground. Everyone's favourite Frenchman. What has he got though? He's got himself a Ghouls and Ghosts collection. PSP one import, uh, SNES import, Ghouls and Ghosts on Mega Drive, and he's got the one on the NES as well. Picture of the back, picture of the front, picture of the case, picture of inside the case. Uh, I mean, you know, we get it, Sharaban. Happy, happy joysticks. I'm going to like that picture. Uh, if I haven't liked the pictures, not because I haven't liked them, just yeah, let's do it on air together. You know when the like happened then, listener. Uh, Yoshi's Cookie on the NES for uh, happy, happy joysticks. Uh, very complete there. Manual, foam, cart sleeve, cart, box. Nice work. I see... Oh, the Australian kitten's been around again. Ozcat.tv. He's got, looks like a real-life Magikarp. Suspiciously and realistically moving on its own. Uh, Either which way. You've really took advantage of their three-for-two offer. If you could see this, listeners, there's literally 40 games spread eagled across the floor and a, a Magikarp, what can I describe as fitting, you know, much like a fish does when it gets dragged out of its own world and thrown down in this world of thin water. You can't breathe. The Magikarp's fitting next to this magnificent display of games. Some of those games I probably would have thought you'd already had. Uh, Australian cat, but, you know, whatever. PlayStation Guy 87, he's picked up some PS2 games. Street Fighter Anniversary Collection Wipeout Fusion. He's also nabbed himself a copy of Heavenly Sword on the PS3. Little janky in places, but uh, probably the first PlayStation 3 exclusive of merit. Uh, pretty good game, actually. Gets pretty tough at the end. PlayStation 4, he's gone and got himself... Looks like a sealed copy of Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. My eyes failed me. Enigmatic Productions, a.k.a. Harvey Retro, a.k.a. Enigmatic Productions, which is his YouTube channel. Uh, probably can say that one more time, Enigmatic Productions. If you consider yourself a human or in any way a gamer, if you haven't been over to YouTube and typed in Enigmatic Productions and watched some of their gaming videos and movie review videos, you're dead to me. Uh, so look it up. It's uh, also a cure for sadness. And that's a wonderful thing. He's providing that for zero dollars, zero pence. Harvey Retro, very, very good guy. Uh, and he's got here what can only be described as a classic. And it's it's the one 
I'm going to call my mummy mummy on Stingray's boot early. It's Hudson Hawk. Now, some people say this film is complete tripe. I don't know why, whether it find me at the right time in my life or what, I don't know. But I've got a soft spot for Hudson Hawk. The first time I'd finished watching it, I thought I'd remembered half of it as a dream because I'd fell asleep. Transpires everything I thought I'd imagined had been real. Uh, please check it out. Sharaban. 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 Uh, here he is with the um, Smurfs game on the Mega Drive. I think that's quite rare over here in the UK. I don't know if it is in France. You were big fans of uh, the Smurfs over there. Retro Visions. What's he got here for us? Unbadged Atari 800. Uh, every screw is flathead screw, not the normal Phillips head. He's found what seems to be there, an interesting uh, little quirk of an Atari 800. Good stuff, Retrovisions. He's also got a couple of disk drives to go with it. Dream Collections underscore Retro Games. Uh, find the Intruder. Well, it's there. It's the smaller GameCube box. Uh, don't know what's different about that. Maybe you'll tell us. I don't know. Um, please do. Um, Australian Cat.tv. Uh, what's he got? Oh, God, yes. That Persona 5 box looks good, friend. What else have you got? Pac-Man on the Wii U. Uh, Town of Light, PS4. Some Vita games there. God of War. God of War. God Wars. I will get that right. Not send you looking for the wrong game, listener. Everyone's favourite little cannibal of the show. He's in PCSO Kent's back bedroom. He's making a new life for himself. Uh, he's being trusted, though, because he's surrounded by... He's surrounded by acres of retro tat. Uh, and it doesn't look like he's nibbling on them too much. So this is great news. He says he's been enjoying Star Fox Adventures. Looks like he's using his wave bird there to uh, enjoy said game. Again... How are you hooking this up to the screen? Because all I see in your setup is component and mono. You really need to walk me through your hookups, uh, Retro Gamer Thomas. Uh, Danny Plays. Oh, Danny Plays. Welcome back to the show. Sunday Pickups. What you got there? Catherine, PS3. Nice time to pick that up. What with the re-release? Where did you get these from? Oh, it's possibly you got those last two from CX. Red Dead Redemption on the 360, Far Cry 4 on the 360, and what I would call your two best pickups of the day, Parappa the Rapper 2, very hard to find in the wild, very hard to find in the wild, and Mr. Mosquito, again, not a game you stumbled across on a daily basis. Both quirky, uh, interesting titles. Titles. There you go, listener. Do my best not to say that word and give myself away, but then I slap it out there at every given moment. What else you got there? I uh, can't quite work out what that is, but you've got Batman the movie for the Amiga. Now, I had that on Atari ST. Oh, for ages, I just couldn't get enough of that game. You've got to remember that when I had that Atari ST, I'd only ever played a VIC-20 before, so some of these games... They were real next-level stuff to me. Um, absolute steal of the day is the tease in the corner. Bubble and Squeak was just 15. Blown away to find that in the wild. Too true. Batman game is as complete as it gets. I also got an Amiga racing game from the same guy at original receipt. Mr. Mosquito and Prapper the Rapper 2 are two games I've wanted for ages. She says, finally bought before the price goes up anymore. Well 
done. Sometimes you've just got to bite the bullet because next time you look, there'll be another 10, 20, 30, 40 pounds added on some of these games. It's happened to me before and uh, it's not a nice experience. You kind of, in your mind, you're thinking, oh, next time I get paid, I'll save up a bit more and then the month after and then you get to look at it and you've got to save almost the same amount again to get it bought uh, and that's hoping that the price doesn't go up again. Uh, gaming, collecting can be a very difficult and challenging hobby but we all love it and that's why we're here new and old retro and modern um brought the 80s dude he is very good at doing pickups isn't he he's got an absolute uh, very eclectic mix brought the 80s dude but one that we appreciate here so he's picked up what looks like some uh, walkmans in the middle he's got himself a couple of buzz light years looks like a smattering of uh Power of the Force toys. Can't zoom in very well, but one of those looks like a Womper. But then I look at the other ones and think it might be Lord of the Rings. It looks like a Gandalf, maybe. The awesome Tomy uh, pinball game, Astro Shooter. Got one of those myself. Very cool. Some Lego, some DS games, Wonder Woman. Good film if you haven't seen it. Uh, and what else? Ezlo Midner. No longer new listener, Ezlo Midner now deeply ingrained in the inglorious bar stewards Eslo and Midna. They've picked up... Oof. Yes, I remember commenting on this. 20 quid uh, from his brother. He was having a clear out. He's got himself a couple of controllers, boxed, pretty mint-looking uh, Xbox there in black. Possibly could be the Elite, but I don't remember or know. Dark Souls, Just Cause 2, and Deadly Premonition. Very cool games, £20. Uh, and I said something along the lines of um, nice pickup, brotherly love. Not much brotherly love, responds Eslo and Midna. He wanted 30 quid for it. Son of a gun. Oh, hang on a minute. Bobo has spotted something. That Halo controller is beautiful. Zoom. Yep, he's got an eye for the detail. It sure is a Halo controller and it sure is a looker. Uh Okay, well done, Bobo Blober. Even more so, well done, Ezlo Midner. The man that predates the internet, Mark.Garage.Gamers. Oh, he's got that Kingdom Hearts box on PSP. So the big box for that. He's got himself all three Uncharted games. Uh, Game Boy. Oh, I do remember that being a particularly good pickup. Yep, £30 for the Game Boy with five games. Uh, looks like a Game Boy pocket. Yes, he's confirmed that. Ghost Recon, uh, San Andreas. Surely everyone's got that game six times. Uh, who we got here? Rad Bash Gaming. Ah, actually, Rad Bash Gaming. I've clicked the wrong button, so forgive me, listeners. It's not just Tom that can do it. I can do it too. Throw me completely out the boot, and now I'm ferreting around quickly trying to backfill and get back in it. Rad Bash Gaming. He's got some pickups there. Everyone's doing very well. Uh, crikey, mate. Uh, you got yourself a knife. That's not a knife, Red Bash Gaming. This is a knife. Uh, three knives. Two guns. I mean, Red Bash Gaming. Open this is legal pickups. So two stabby, stabby weapons. Uh, looks like you're from... Maybe from America. I don't know. But he's got handguns. He's picked himself up, clone trooper helmet, smattering of Xbox 360 games, Xbox original game, Dark Angel from memory, Silent Scope, Headhunter, 
the list goes on. Some awesome looking. Uh, is that Captain Phasma artwork? Generally just a new trilogy. Oscat.tv. He's got uh, Jurassic Park Ultimate Trilogy box set. He's got Riding Stars, Let's Ride, and the Brats. What's he got to say? You know, we need more detail here, sir. I've never seen a Star Wars film, huh? But I've enjoyed most of the games. And love arcades, so Star Wars Pinball on the Nintendo Switch it is. As always, thanks to GameStop for the hookup and great care. I've also found these gorgeous pins for Borderlands 3. That's what they are. And had to snag it too. Went down the road to to a retro stop and found a replacement to my missing Jurassic Park trilogy. And found some horse games and a Bratz game on PS2 and PS1. Uh, But then at the register, Capcom user, stroke Resident Evil T, virus, antidote, drink. So as usual, here is at my house. All in all, been a good start. That right, okay. So now we've got some legs to this. Still no answer as to why you felt compelled to buy the riding games. Hoscat. Is this because you had to have every game on the PS2 or because you've got a penchant for equestrian antics in computer game format? I think we need to clear that up. Lots of questions for the listeners in the listener stingray this week. Retro gamer Thomas. He's got some ales lined up, some video game ales that he's consumed during a gaming session. Uh, told him he's a god, probably because every time he does a post, he, he writes a little ditty about us in there, which let's just see if he has this week. That must have been why I called, ah, let's read it out. Don't forget this week's episode of Unofficial Controller Podcast, folks. This week's episode is Alternative Controllers. Why not come and have a listen, have a chat on the page? It's awesome. Plus, if you get some new pickups or anything gaming, add hashtag Stingray's Boot and you get a mention on the show. Like, comment and subscribe and let's get George and Tom where they deserve to be and that's top of the podcast charts. Retro Gamer Thomas, I'm going to say it. Said it in, I've literally, I've typed it there in black and white. I'm going to say it out loud to you one more time. You, sir, are a god. All our listeners are deities. You want to steady on that ale because you don't want your uh, inhibitions to drop too far. And when Retro Gamer, um, not Retro Gamer Thomas, PCSO Kemp's back is turned, you start nibbling on his uh, CB radio. It's just maybe one a night. I don't want you getting crazy, Retro Gamer Thomas. Oh, uh, okay. Unofficial controller podcast here. They've lobbed up the Adam the Artist. Comic pictures, no space, forward slash, Etsy, do it. If you're not doing it, if you're not buying his prints, you're not a gamer. Uh, he's done. A, he's obviously in the village and he's gone out and typed some of the um, locals. And what do we have here? Brian from Brian's Garage, supplier of many gifts to the Unofficial Controller podcast raffle. Half-used screen wash, second-hand spark plugs, that sort of stuff. Brian is a very generous man. Is it right to like one's own stuff? Bam, it's done. At least I know where I am. It's like a bookmark. The Barber Who Games. The Barber Who Games. I didn't know. I didn't know. Was listening to the Unofficial Controller podcast earlier today, an awesome gaming podcast. If you hadn't heard of them before... 
a uh, little smile. It got me thinking about all the third-party controllers I've collected over the years. I've been gaming and collecting. Here are some of the ones I managed to dig out of my collection. It's funny how some of them are almost identical to the original controllers, particularly some of the Nintendo ones, but feel cheaper at the same time. I don't really know why, but that Saturn Turbo controller just makes me laugh for whatever reason. I find something about six-button turbo switch is hilarious. Well, the Barbaroo games, that's a very um, specific form of humour that you uh, seem to get stimulated by. But that's a very, very vast array of very, very average-looking controllers there. Uh, quick shot three-button pad from memory wasn't that bad. And I don't know what make that uh, N64 pad is, but uh, it looks pretty legit as well. Looks like they've cut the horns off it, though, so it's probably about as comfortable to hold as a, a feral dog. Hey, everyone's a couple of favourite little human beings on the show right now. Daddyzilla80 over on Instagram, and he's got a picture of his awesome son, recently been his birthday, a.k.a. Devinzilla. What's the write-up here? So it's family night, and this is what Devinzilla wants to play. He bought this with his birthday money. Bendy and the ink machine. Great choice, said Radbash Gaming. The community. Supporting the community. My God, that's fantastic. Um, well done, Devinzilla. Be nice to... I've not played that, uh, nor do I know really that much about it. So if the Zillas want to fire us in uh, a little write-up about that game, maybe we could read it out. Um, Digital Monkery. Uh, new name to the show. Yesterday, I delivered with five not horrendous-looking third-party N64 controllers. Obviously, I'll be testing them, but two of them have been adapted to have USB connection uh, rather than N64 ones, so they'll be getting decorated in some way or another. I have another idea for one of them. Can anyone make a suggestion for the others? Well, listeners, if you have got any other suggestions for Digital Monkery, head over to his page and uh, let him know. Ozcat.tv, owner of every game ever made, has also picked himself up a super deluxe edition of Borderlands 3. Ah, oh, Danny plays on point. Here she is. That's a flipping awesome shot, that. So you've got some PlayStation 1 games there. Die Hard Trilogy, Tenchu 2, what looks like Dino Crisis, Hogs of War. I think Duke Nukem's laid on a copy of Tekken. You've got a copy of Warhammer. That top one, what's that? Mm, I don't know. Uh, it's Doom or Exhumed or something like that. And that bottom one, maybe Alien Trilogy. Let me know if I've got even half of those right. Uh, what are you saying here? The man, the mission, the babes. Don't you just love it when you find a bag of stuff you forgot you bought? <sighs> My goodness, you forgot. Oh, Wow. Danny plays. Everyone going the extra effort. Also a special hashtag Stingray's boot because I finally had time and binged your podcast. I literally hadn't listened to a podcast since I was forced to in high school by an overexcited ICT teacher who thought it was the best way to learn. However, I just wish I'd listened sooner to yours. It's good stuff, so you can all stop bad talking if you're not chiming in now. I've listened. There's an official apology from Lord Ponsalbury for Tom's behaviour. It was unacceptable, Danny plays. Um, I won't miss any more now, promise. And you know what? <laughs> You'll get to hear this on air. Thank you. Listen in to the latest episode. Heck, Danny Plays, do you know what? 
if Tom takes any more time off, you might as well swing down here and co-host with me. Who's next? Retro underscore Nintendo. Probably a little bit nervous about some sort of corporate action from Nintendo there, but I think you're all right, sir. What we got here? Uh, thank you to Game Tower for a childhood favourite. Um, nice. Okay. Mortal Kombat Trilogy. Mark.GarageGamers. Six days ago. Out on the prowl. Uh, on the retro hunt. He's taking him with us with him on his journey. He's, he's come through for us as well, hasn't he? Absolutely fantastic. Thank you, sir. Daddyzilla. Tom's not here, so I've got to roll out the uh, the only catchphrase he's come up with, cooking up a retro storm. Uh, I see you've not put the uh, Daddyzilla, I see you've managed to exclude the clock, just in case Tom gets confused that you're cooking those retro goodies up at 557 degrees. Uh, such a strange man. Uh, that's Tom, not you, Daddyzilla. I don't want you stomping on my house. Um, Daddyzilla's Mummyzilla grabbed these off Facebook Marketplace for Devin Zilla and I. I tell you what, Mummyzilla, you have an eye for a bargain, young lady. Um, Lego DC Villains. This is all new tat as well. Mario Maker 2, Rocket League, Sonic Forces, Minecraft. Possibly the best game ever made. Although I'm having my doubts. I haven't played that much recently and it's starting to drag. But you know what? It's good enough. Happy, happy joysticks. Uh, copy of Zelda. Uh, must have drank a hell of a lot of pop to get those cups. Not quite, but close enough. Had a case of brain freeze after drinking three slurp slurpees. Well, that's dedication to the cause, happy, happy joysticks. Numbing your own cranial matter to make sure you can get all of the Zelda Link's Awakening slurpee cups from 7-Eleven Canada. Um, new listener to the show, Espindola Car Spotter. Or whether there's been something confusing going on here, I don't know. But Daddy Zilla's liked it, so whatever. We've got a Chevrolet Corvette in the... Uh, <laughs> a brown stroke cream Chevrolet Corvette in its glory, looking in mint condition. It's a Stingray. Full fair play to you, sir. I don't know how that got in here. He's hashtag Stingray's boot. He must have. He has. Uh, well, I don't know. I feel that's lost in translation. I like it anyway. I'm a decent guy. What we got here? Ozcat.tv. Sorry this is so long, and thanks to anyone who reads the entire thing. Yeah, I read that. Shall I read it out? Gnu. Gnu, Ozcat. This is actually quite a good little ditty you've put here. So it turns out today it's a pretty big deal for gamers, it being National Video Game Day. I thought I'd share a little about myself and what gaming means to me. So story time. Growing up, I had two parents who were constantly working or not around much. and We didn't share any interests in things like others did. At age eight, I befriended a neighbourhood kid who lived adjacent to my house. At the time, his dad owned a small video game shop and flea market booth. Still does to this day. He noticed how well I took to games being so young that he offered to let me work for him on the weekends and gave me a whopping 60 bucks per weekend. Imagine being 8, 9, 12, 13, getting 60 plus books to spend on whatever. It's a rape alarm. Don't know what that was, but obviously the cat's getting too close. Uh, I do this story in injustice. Let me rewind. To spend on whatever and get first dips on anything that came in. It was any kid's dream. 
Having a bit of a lonely life during the weeks, I found that the game series Final Fantasy and latched onto them pretty hard. Playing through them all in order and beating nine, I felt I'd accomplished the undoable. Then my neighbour told me about Final Fantasy X coming out on the PS2 and I knew I needed to beat it as well. This game, however, was different. I spent literally hundreds upon hundreds of hours playing this game on the PS2 and falling more and more in love with the characters, story, art style and mini-games. Final Fantasy X became my world and a coping mechanism for my loneliness. I am forever thankful to the folks at Square Enix, once Squaresoft, then for giving me something to focus on and helping me get through things. Since then, I've done everything I can to hunt down all the variants I could find as thanks for everything. So here's a wall of some games I have for National Video Game Day. Much love to you all and game on. Hopefully, listeners, you you forgave me that little um, soiree into uh, Ozcat's post, but I felt that was just a really nice piece. and I think the community needs to hear it. Mark Twigo. Uh, dance mat friend Def Jam fight for New York I'm still trying to find that in the wild uh, good good pickup. it's getting increasingly hard to find Time Crisis 2 obviously well inspired off the back of our episode uh, dance my eyes fail me listeners dance UK XL maybe I forgive my eyes uh, the Blade Storm Xbox 360 game think I've mentioned Choo Choo Rocket uh, Radbash Gaming uh, doing his bit to uh, further the show by sharing our post. Unofficial controller podcast. Sharaban. This was six days ago. So Sharaban. 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 Still got a little while to go before the scene. The full turn of the wheel, listener. But uh, this is his treasure games collection. Wario World, Gunstar Heroes, uh, classic collection on the Mega Drive, which was uh, has Gunstar Heroes on it. Uh, don't know what that left hand game is Sin and Punishment, Gradius, Astro Boy Radiant Silver Gun, Guardian Heroes Epic Game on the Saturn and again I don't know what that GameCube title is uh, my Japanese, not that great I'll admit, Ikaragua of course, wasn't that on Dreamcast? something tells me Sharaban you're missing a game maybe, maybe you're not Retro Collector Ray oh my goodness sir Oh my goodness, you've only gone and picked up a mine, Minecraft official creeper rucksack. That is excellent. Hopefully inspired by us. Uh, once again, Daddy Zilla, this was a week ago. Have we seen this? I don't know. I don't think so. Since De- Devin Zilla turned out of school earlier today and it was his birthday, we went hunting. Added the left stack and the switch battery boost of the collection and the right stack is to recoup. So he's bought some games to sell I believe and some games to go in his collection and he's also bought his battery booster for a switch he's also covered the clock so as not to confuse Tom um, and that I do remember I've seen before it's IA Retro Gamer Dad's God of War demo game so that as they say is a full turn of the wheel and that's all the dips in the boot for us uh, for our listeners but don't forget to hashtag Stingray's boot or email us for your pickups to be read out on air well when listeners sting race finished we all know what happens next I don't know whether to do the sound effect now or after or during or whatever I don't know 
Let's cut straight into it and work it out in the edit. James is up for a late night. Time for a peek in what we affectionately call Stingray's boot. And breaking the fourth wall as well. He literally does drive a car up the drive. Uh, it's time for a peek in what we affectionately call Stingray's boot. What's nestled between some counterfeit nappies and a dodgy copy of Battle for Endor this week? Uh, these are the new release highlights for the week September 16th to 22nd, 2019. Listeners, these are out on digital or physical or will be by the time this podcast is in your feed, but could be region dependent. Um, we've got a boot full. Here he comes. How do I know that if he's not even here? He's tearing up the drive, listeners, like a man that knows that Ponsor is not keen on his illicit activities, but he turns a blind eye for the future of the show. Door pop, springs, 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 stop, wattle and wall. <laughs> uh, and let's have a look in here. Digging in, digging in. I find a copy of the, for my mummy, mummy, Hudson Hawk. We'll be checking that out later. Thank you for the uh, for the share, Harvey Retro. Uh, first up, game-wise, let's pull out AI, the Sominium files. This is out on PC, PS4 and Switch, September 17th. Players Detective Kanamar Date on the case of an elusive serial killer in this thrilling sci-fi murder mystery. Now, listeners, we've got a listener out there, Nick T. He's a big fan of the commercial simulator. Uh, here's one for him. So this is Nick T's Mummy Mummy bus simulator on PS4 and Xbox December 17th. Before you panic, Nick, yeah, there is another one in here for you. You're going to get two. Whether in this industrial or harbour zone, downtown in the surrounding villages or the business park in Bus Simulator, you experience up close the exciting everyday life of a bus driver in a vast, freely drivable urban area. Get behind the wheel of your eight-wheel original of your get behind the wheel of your eight original licensed city buses from the great brands of Mercedes-Benz, they're average at best, commercial vehicles, Cetra, similar, MAN slightly moving up the scale, and Iveco, possibly the greatest commercial ever made, commercial vehicle ever made, and you'll transport your passengers safely and punctually to their destinations, either solo in single-player mode or with friends in real-time multiplayer mode. Interesting. Interesting. Nick Teal will have to let us know how that plays. Uh, Castle Crashes Remastered on the Switch, September 17th. Hack, slash, and smash your way to victory in this remastered edition of the popular 2D arcade adventure from the Behemoth at 60 FPS. Castle Crasher Remastered delivers high-res visuals like nothing you've ever seen before. Up to four players can play locally or online. Save your princess, defend your kingdom, crash some castles. Up next, uh, do you know what? I might lob this in there as my mummy. Mummy, it's not reviewing too well at the moment, but do you know what? I'm a big fan of the film and uh, I would love to be in that world. So Groundhog Day, like Fathers Like Son, it's for PC, VR, Oculus, Vive, all the good jazz. And it's also on PSVR, coming out this September 17th. You're stuck in a time loop as Phil Connors Jr. back in Puxatawani for Groundhog Day in this virtual reality game set in the world of the iconic hit movie. Solve puzzles and interact with branching narrative gameplay to break the time loop cycle to escape into tomorrow. Sounds pretty good. Uh, although, like I say, the reviews I've glanced across recently, as I've not had the chance and James doesn't have a code, we don't know. So if we get it, we'll let you know if we play it and what we think. Mutazione, PC, PS4, September 19th. A mutant soap opera where small town gossip meets the supernatural. 
Join Kay as she arrives in the mysterious community of Mutazion to care for her ailing grandfather, discover scenic hangouts, magical gardens, new friends and old secrets. Nick T, here's your other mummy mummy. I have warned you, this game is average at best and he's not the game that your bigger boyfriends play on PC. Although, memory suggests to me you've now got a gaming PC, so you've probably gone and bought the real deal. To anyone who hasn't got a gaming PC and wants to simulate truck driving... I would say stick clear of this, but uh, check it out at your peril. Truck Driver PS4 Xbox September 19th. Build your career as a truck driver. Haul a wide range of cargo and make a name for yourself amongst the local community. Start from the bottom, take on jobs. Buy new trucks and parts and become a respected truck driver. Sounds good in the description, and I will double down and check out what's going on with it. If I get to play it, I'll let you know what I think of it. Uh, I like farming simulator. Is truck driver, like Euro Truck Simulator is the real deal. Truck driver on PS4 and Xbox, mm, not so sure. This would have been Tom's Mummy Mummy, but he's not here, so I can't recommend it. No, I can, because this is a pretty solid game. Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on the Switch, September 20th. Help Link escape a strange land in the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Nintendo Switch. Befriend a colourful cast of characters, battle a myriad of monsters, and explore perilous dungeons in this classic adventure, reimagined in a charming new art style. Now, I was thinking the other day, personal memorylessness, please afford me the, the detour, might technically have been the first Zelda game I ever played. True story. Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. Switch, PC, PS4, September 20th. Journey back to the other world in Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. Remastered, Level 5's classic tale returns better than ever with improved graphics and performance. Up next, another Switch title, Platoons Party on the Switch, September 20th. Ready for a great adventure, the Platoons need your help to face the evil Kitra. Kitra wants to conquer the islands of Chimeria and steal the Platoons' magic to control their world. Platoons Party is a party game full of mini-games to enjoy with friends and family. They had it the other way around. I fell over my words, mixed it up a little bit. Up next, The Sojourn, PC, PS4 and Xbox, September 20th. A tale of light, darkness and the nature of reality. Traverse a thought-provoking puzzle game and its immense colour-drenched world of light and shadow. Uh, and last but not least, possibly one of the most bonkers games with possibly the shortest description. So I've seen some videos... The title says it all, the description says it all, and I should unleash those on you now. It is the, this is the name of the game, Untitled Goose Game on the PC and Switch. It's coming out September the 20th. This is what the game's about. It's a lovely morning in the village, and you are a horrible goose. Full stop, end of story, slam the boot down on Stingray's Bluebird, kick him up the road. Uh... So those that paid attention once again to the uh, intro at the start of the show, you know right now I'd normally be asking my co-host what he's hoping to play. He's not around, so I'm going to ask myself, what are you hoping to play? Uh, and my answer to that would be, I think this weekend, um, we're going back to the PS2 cabin. I mentioned it, was it last episode? Uh, I think it was. So I'll be going back there, so I'll take Resi, I think I've done enough, Jurassic Park, if I'm honest. Um, so I'll take Resi back with me. Uh, may take a Final Fantasy. Uh, I've got another game 
actually, that I might take, that they meaning to try out, that never really got past the first sort of opening 15 minutes of. Grim Grim Gamori. It's a PS2 game. It's like a puzzle game set in a school of magic, but it's not Harry Potter. And it's not Tom. Oh, I bet that's like Fire Emblems 3. Houses, climb down. No, it's not. Well, it might be, but, you know, I can't afford to give you that. And you're not here, and you're influencing the show. I'm in the BBC recording studio in an abandoned nuclear bunker, literally talking to myself. So, uh, who's the more mental? I don't know. Anyway, I've rambled, and when I'm rambling, it's time to get the hell out of here. And that's all we have time for this week, listeners. As always, thank you for your time. We look forward to the pleasure of speaking to you again next week. Until then, happy gaming. Remember, there's nothing wrong with being given the unofficial controller. It's what you do with it that counts. Listeners, thank you for your patience this week. Back to normal uh, transmission next week. And we'll welcome back Tom from his holiday. Uh, what's the big game out at the moment? Astral Chain. Tom's probably took a holiday to London to train his dog to dig at tarmac to find puzzles he's probably been knocking on scotland yard's door telling him he's found a i mean what were they called legion get a grip of yourself boy till next week take care bye